Well, we are in Acts chapter 9 and verse 1. We look at uh, more of the life of Paul. Paul was shown to us a little bit before and we saw that he was... Uh, oh, you know what? I needed to give you something too. See if you can... It's under four Sunday. We're going to see a, a map. It's under Damascus. If you can pull that up, we'll put it up there in the on the screen. Just wanted to give you guys a visual of what this all was about. So Paul, we see, was approving of the stoning of Stephen. In the beginning of chapter 8, he was increasing his threats to the church. And verse 1 of chapter 9, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from, from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground, heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, so he trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand, and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. So he's on this road to Damascus. Now Damascus is a, a little bit of a hike from where he's at in Jerusalem. And he passes a lot of places along the way. We have that map up there. You tell me when you have it ready, and we'll we'll take a look at. The... Is that all we can get it in for, huh? Oh, you could have pulled it in through the actual program. That's all right. It'll work. See how big you can make it. There we go. Okay. So you can see Jerusalem down there at the bottom, and there's a road over there to Jer to Jericho, and they got the path <coughs> over here, going along the River Jordan traveling up north of Galilee. And we're going to see that he makes his... Uh, they got it highlighted there where it was that his vision came. So he's gone all that way. So apparently he's heard that the disciples are going up as far as Damascus. So he decides to take a trip out there and to go. Now, last week we saw that Philip was uh, moved over to Caesarea, down over there on the side, not Caesarea Philippi, which is up there in the north. That's where he had gone. He was originally down in this area over here and then was translated up to Caesarea. Uh, mountains. You, you can kind of see the raised area. So you're trying to avoid some of the mountain areas. And uh, I'm not sure why he didn't just walk up the, the River Jordan there, but there may have been a road. Rome had a lot of roads in that day. So that's a good question on that. And that may just be where the road was to, to walk, and that may have been easier. Uh, but uh, the elevation is one thing because you're going up some high mountains and probably didn't want to do that as much as they could. So you're trying to get as much as you can. You want to try and get in between the valleys there. He didn't quite cut through the valley there, so I would assume that there's a road over in that area, and that's why they have that area highlighted. But that's his trip. So he passed a lot of ways, places on the way, but heard that over in Damascus that there were some, some Christians, and so he decided to go on up there and find all those who, as the Bible calls it here, of the way. They had a little nickname that they gave him. 
whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So it says that as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone round him from heaven. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul. We all know what happens when God repeats your name. Why are you persecuting me? Now, he's not persecuting Jesus because Jesus is no longer here. And as far as we know, his, his uh, time of breathing threats was not over, did not overlap the time of Jesus. But God takes it personally whenever people persecute us. And so Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now that's got to hit him hard because he's going after the people who serve Jesus. He's thinking he's doing good for God because he sees Jesus as a heretic. And here it is that Jesus has confronted him on the road. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. That's a farming term. They would have uh, oxen and things and they had had these uh, goads that they would use to direct them. They were made so they weren't puncture the skin, but that they would inflict pain. And if you had a uh, animal that rejected the prompting of the goads on an on base, ongoing basis, then you had a problem animal. Most of the time they would give in and just yield to it. So he's saying that the goads are coming in, they're prodding you. I've been telling you for a while, this is not the way to go. You're going the wrong direction and you haven't been listening, is what he's saying. So he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Now, what's nice about Paul is that when he's confronted, he immediately sub- submits to it. Now, the light from heaven might have something to do with it. But uh, still, people have, I mean, they've seen the Pharisees, they saw miracles, people raised from the dead, and still they kicked against it. Paul at least submitted. Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, which is Damascus, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. This is the thing that comes with wisdom. Wisdom, as we were talking about on Sunday, has uh, wisdom contains understanding, and understanding contains discernment. These men did not have the discerning ability to tell the voice of God. And so it says, And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. We hear sometimes that people heard the voice of God, and to others it sounded like thunder. They weren't able to make the distinction between it. But Paul was able to. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now God did not put blindness on him. God does not go around and, and put disease on anyone. He was not blind because of a disease. He has been suffering spiritual blindness and has not been aware of it. And God has been trying to correct him. And in the process of him not responding, God had him come out of this and was blinded. As far as we can tell, God just kind of put his hand in front of his eyes. Put something, kind of a block there. There's no disease that caused this blindness. It was a sudden blindness. And as we see when he is healed, the scale, like scales fall off of his eyes, he was, uh, those were removed. God just put him up there for a little while. The idea was temporary, just to, to let him see, you've been blinded spiritually, you haven't been seen, now you're going to be blinded physically. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Well, I'm sure this is all upsetting, seeing the light from heaven, hearing the voice, knowing you've been persecuting the Lord and you thought you were serving him, and then you're suddenly blind. So, Saul was confused, thinking that he was serving God, but he was not. So, Jesus set him straight. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in the vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house 
of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. Now, he does not come to a prophet. He says, a certain disciple. As far as we can tell, this is just a normal, everyday disciple who was given this this task to do. And the Lord said to him in a vision. We're going to go over some of the ways that God brings about revelation. But there was a certain disciple, not a prophet, not a teacher, not a pastor, not an apostle, just a certain disciple named Ananias. And to him, the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. So the Lord said, rise, go to the street called Straight. There is actually a street called Straight in Damascus. I am told it is the only street in Damascus that is straight, which is why it has the name Straight. All the rest of the streets are curved or turned or do something. This is the only one that is straight. So if you do happen to go to Damascus, you can go to the street called Straight and you can find it. It is uh, still there from what I'm told from people who have been there. I have not. So I'll just take their word for it at this point. Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. Now you imagine having a vision like that and God says, I want you to go here, go to this street, go to this house and in there you're going to find Saul. And in the vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. So Paul received a vision also, whether it one on in the road to Damascus or one after that, of someone named Ananias coming and laying hands on him. It's already done. By the time that Ananias gets the vision, Saul has already seen a vision that Ananias would come. So God has announced him before God even told Ananias what to do. No pressure. <laughs> now, something that Brother Hagin used to always tell us is the strength of the revelation will be in proportion to the coming opposition. Whatever kind of revelation that you get is going to be in proportion to the kind of opposition you're going to have from the enemy. There are seven levels of revelation in the Bible. Uh, one is a direct statement in the Word. The Word just comes right out and says, Thus shall you do, or thus you shall not do. That's just a direct statement. You don't really need a whole lot of revelation on that. If it says, do not do this, do not go here, do not go do, you don't need any more revelation. That's your revelation. That's your level. That's the lowest level of revelation. And, uh, probably not a whole lot of opposition coming at you for that level. But that's the first level. The second one is an inward witness. An inward witness. This is not a voice in your head. This is not a voice that comes to you. This is just an inward leading, an inward witness that would come up on the inside of you. And would kind of say, go here, do this, go this way, whatever it might be. It's just something that you hear and you listen to. Uh, the third level is revealed truth in the Word. As you are studying the Word of God, as you're going through the Word of God, you're reading and you have light on the subject and it suddenly becomes known to you, oh, this is what this is speaking about. That's revealed truth in the Word. It doesn't come right out and say, thus you shall do, but as you are studying the Word, you get a... A revelation of truth on the on the matter. We've seen a number of times where people were reading the word, studying the word, and something came to them, and they realized what it was they were supposed to do. So there's revealed truth. That's the third level. Up. The next one is a dream. Of course, for a dream you are asleep. Your minds are kind of relaxed. You just have a dream in the night, uh, much like Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, you knew it was from God. If you wake up from a dream, you're wondering whether God was trying to speak to you. That's probably not the case. If you have a dream from God, everybody in the Bible that we have had a dream from God knew when they woke up, they had a dream from God. When Joseph 
heard from God. He heard from the Lord in a dream. And he knew this was from God. And when he awoke, he knew what he was supposed to do. So there are times that people had it in dreams, but when they woke up, they knew it was from God. If you are wondering, what if that was God? Maybe I'll go talk to somebody and find out. No, you'll know. Uh, the next level up is an audible, audibly spoken direction. Someone says something to you. You hear an audible voice. Brother Hagen used to talk about some of the times that an audible voice came to him. Sometimes he would even turn around and look because it, would, it was so real, it was so strong, it just, you, you're sure someone was there. And other times there was an actual audible voice with Moses at the burning bush. He heard the voice. He saw the burning bush, but he heard the, the voice. There are other times that the uh, angel shows up or something like that, but this is uh, more talking about just you're just hearing the voice. You're just hearing the, the thing of the, the audible voice. Uh, the next one is a vision. This is when you are awake and you see the vision of a man, the vision of an angel. You see a vision. Uh, Daniel, when he received the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had, Nebuchadnezzar received it as a dream. Daniel received it as a vision. He was awake when it happened. And sometimes it can just be something in your, in your mind that you see. Sometimes it might be something that they see a little more real. But it's a, it's a vision. It's something that comes to you. And the final one is face-to-face. <clears throat> when God comes and, and speaks face-to-face. We don't have too many examples of this in the Bible, but we do have Enoch. We do have Moses. We do have a few times when God has approached people face-to-face, but certainly not that, that much. The higher revelation that you get, higher order of revelation you get, the more the enemy is coming. And God gives you a higher revelation to in, order, in order to withstand what is coming. How many times has God led you to do something and in the midst of it, opposition comes and you feel like, did I miss God on this? And it seems like that the revelation, the level of revelation is just enough or eh, not quite sure. You can almost go back on it. So you know when you are getting something like an audible voice or a vision or a face-to-face, oh man, is the enemy coming after you. And God knows the enemy's coming after you and he's giving you something more sure to hold on to. So what Brother Hagin used to always tell us is, thank God for those inward witnesses. <laughs> yeah, because you know the opposition isn't coming all that strong. So don't always ask for visions and and uh, voices and such things like that because the opposition that will come will be very strong. So the stronger the uh, the vision, the stronger the uh, revelation, I should say, then the more opposition is going to come. So Saul here is, um, it's, 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 it's more than a vision. But uh, yeah, it's, I don't know if he actually saw his face or not, but it's going it's to be up in that level. It's, it's up in that, that area. So, and it, it's because Paul is going to encounter a lot of opposition. And he's uh, going to be able to fall back on this and say, no, I know this is the direction that God sent me. And he's going to hit it right off the bat too. Because right in Damascus, they're going to try and kill him. And he may be thinking, maybe I went the wrong way. I, should, I was supposed to be the one on the aggressor. I was supposed to be the one killing people. Now they're coming after me. So in a vision, he had seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. So this is kind of a risky thing with God, you would think, because uh, Ananias hasn't said yes yet. And he's already telling Paul, Ananias is coming. And he's just a regular disciple. We don't know if God has used him before in this. 
But apparently God had enough confidence in Ananias to announce them ahead of time. Well, some of the things that were not included in this list is prophecy. Prophecy is not a way that God directs us. Don't be directed by prophecy. You want that inward witness. Prophecy can come in and confirm, but prophecy is not intended to direct you. Prophecy and encouraging words from believers. These are things that are not to direct you. I hear a lot of times Christians come up and say, well, why, why did you go in this direction? Well, a lot of believers around me were saying that I should do this. That's not that's not good. Do not follow that. You need to have something else in these other other areas. And then other believers or people in the area of prophecy coming along and giving you a word that way, they can confirm what you are are hearing through the, those other ways. I put in your outline, confirmation is not direction. Confirmation is not direction. Don't treat it as such. You will get yourself in trouble. Many times believers have gone in a direction because of a prophecy or they've gone in a direction because of encouraging words from other believers. I think you're really talented at that. I think God's really calling you to that. And enough people say that and they begin to go in that direction. Don't do it. You've got to hear it on your own. Something should come to you. In a direct statement from the Word, an inward witness, revealed truth, a dream, audible voice spoken, vision, face-to-face, something needs to come. So Paul also received a vision about Ananias, we see. In verse 13, Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man. People have talked to me about this thing. How much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. That's his order. Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel, which is an order that he followed. His number one ministry was to Gentiles. He also began a ministry to kings after he had started a ministry to Gentiles. He appeared before many kings and even to Caesar. When he was going down to Jerusalem, prophecy was was given, you're going to be bound, you're going to be sent to Rome. He was going to testify before the folks in Rome and the Caesars, even about what was going on with with God, and the children of Israel. They were third on the list. They were on the list, but they were third. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias has some problems here. There are many times that Christians have problems with things that the Lord has said because of what people have said. We need to be real careful about that. When the Lord has told us to do something, no matter how many people come and confirm problems, for doing that, don't listen. You need not listen. If the Lord has directed you through one of His seven ways, you listen to what the Lord directs you. Don't listen to people. That's why we prophecy, encouraging words, they are not on this list. People cannot lead you. You've got to get that direction from the Word, from the Spirit, from inside. It cannot come from outside with other people. Direction cannot come that way at all. Confirmation can, no, not direction. It's real important that we keep that in mind. So he says to him, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. So at least he says to God, you know, this is what I hear. This is what's going on. But the Lord said to him, go. All right. You know, a lot of times we try and inform God of things, thinking that he doesn't know. 
Yeah, Lord, you don't know what's going on. You don't, you don't want me to apply for a job there. You don't know what's going on over there. You don't want me to do this over here. You don't know what's happening over there. Yeah, God knows. He says, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. So when God has led us to do something, we've got to have that confidence that God has led me to do this. No matter what it is that comes in the natural or what comes from other people, don't veer off from what God has said. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. So God's saying he's going to suffer. And God is apparently not going to stop it. We put in your outline there, how many times have we heard something that goes against what was revealed? Many times things will come to us that is against what has been revealed to us. You have a revelation from the Word that Jesus is the healer, but you have a lot of people telling you stories otherwise. You have a revelation that God helps us financially. You have a revelation that God does things for us, gives us wisdom, but other people are telling you something different. You've got to go with what you know in the revelation from the Word of God and not with what other people say. Relatives and friends may say th- something. We may point out our situation is this way, but you don't mess with it. Verse 17, And Ananias won his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. So when Ananias comes in, he says, Brother Saul. I don't think too many people are really seeing him as a brother. But Ananias heard from God. And so he calls him Brother Saul. He says, He has sent me to you that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now there's a lot of things you've heard being taught about Paul's thorn in the flesh, that it was blindness, it was an eye disease and so forth. And they all come back into this story because these scales fell from his eyes. And they said when these scales fell from his eyes, the condition was this. In order for that to be true, then God gave Paul a disease on the road to Damascus. That's not our God. That's not what he does. He says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that one you may receive your sight. God wanted him to receive his sight. He didn't want him to receive his sight partially, temporarily. He said that he's come, he sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. There was something over his eyes blocking him from seeing. It was not a disease. It was a, it was a purely physical, natural thing that God had put there, an obstacle. And they fell off. And he received his sight at once. And he arose and was baptized. And so when he had received food, he was strengthened. And Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. We'd have to also believe that he was filled with the Holy Spirit here. The details of that are not exactly given. But at least uh, the story here has Ananias obeying God, which is a good thing. A lot of stories in the Bible don't end with obedience. This one uh, ended with obedience. Immediately he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Immediately he preached Christ in the synagogue. I don't know if this is the best way to go. New convert... But they saw Paul as being very educated in, in the Word of God, and so they immediately put him up there to, to teach. He did hear some things from God, and he preached the, the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. 
And surely he would know that. He's, he's solemn. He's probably telling them some of his experience. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is not he, he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? So a lot of people heard this and they're seeing this. They've got to be thinking, Paul is setting the trap. He's trying to be super Christian. All the Christians come around. When we all come around, he closes the door. He gets us all arrested. We all have to go back to Jerusalem to be bound. <clears throat> so they're very suspicious. And you can certainly see why. But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. That's pretty neat to be able to go from the place where he was, who didn't believe that Jesus was the Christ, to seeing that Jesus is the Christ. And so Paul's revelation went, went uh, very deep. And all the knowledge he had from the Word of God was immediately converted over into, oh, I see this now. And he received that revelation. And the more he pondered on it, the more God gave it to him. He, was being, he had already been filled with the Spirit and that revelation was just coming to him. Now, after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. Well, they can't argue. And this is always the case with anyone who's against the things of God. If you can't beat them in the arena of ideas, if you can't beat them in a debate, then the next best thing is to silence them. If you can't silence them, then kill them, destroy them. That's the way of the enemy. And these folks we know that uh, followed that very often. So after many days, don't know how many days, but there was many days, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul. And they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and led him down through the wall in a large basket. So they're watching the gates. That's how you're going to get in and out of Damascus is through the gates. So they put a watch on it. If you see Paul come through, you stop him. So you say, how did the plot become known? Because it doesn't really say a whole lot about it here. But we're told more from Paul later on in Acts chapter 22 and verse 12. Then a certain Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt here, there came to me and he stood and he said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that same hour, I looked up at him and he said, The God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. For you will be a witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. So we're getting a little bit more detail than we had in the other part. But Paul was there. These are the things that are said. And now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Now it happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I was in a trance and saw him saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. So here was a time when uh, Paul was uh, in Jerusalem and people were going to try and come in and to kill him. And he, a revelation was given to him. Uh, was Damascus the same kind of way? Somehow a revelation came to Paul and he was able to uh, get out of the out of harm's way. And God will do that. Now, this is a new believer. This is a new guy who's filled with the Spirit. And look at the things that he's been, been able to do. The knowledge of the Word of God is being converted into revelation. God has given him warnings about dangers that are coming up. And it's not because Paul's a favorite. This is the guy who was killing Christians. And there's a lot of people in, in, uh, in heaven right now with Christ simply because of Paul. They were supposed to be down there on the earth doing stuff. And they're up there with Paul, or because of Paul. Yeah, he sent me. <laughs> he sent me up here. So it's not like Paul is a favorite, but 
Paul continued to grow and he got stronger and stronger and these things happened. If they happen for Paul, they can happen for you. And God can lead you this way. But you've got to expect it. You've got to pursue it the way that, God, uh, the way that Paul pursued God. Verse 26, And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. So he gets let out of the basket, let down the, in the basket through the uh, window to get out of Damascus, makes the trip on back over to Jerusalem, and he tries to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostle. Now, Barnabas just loves picking up the underdog. He is just an underdog type of a guy. He sees him here. He sees something in him and something on the inside of witnesses. Whether God spoke anything to Barnabas, we don't know. He doesn't bring that up. But he saw something. Now this guy is genuine. This is good. And so he took him aside. And that gives Paul some cred, so to speak. Because Barnabas took him aside. Because Barnabas had a lot of clout. We saw some of the things that had gone on with Barnabas before. And a lot of people respected him. And so when he stepped out and he took him up and made a statement. And he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Well, Barnabas is declaring these things. I don't know that Barnabas was there, but Barnabas is, is declaring these things. How he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of the Lord Jesus. More than likely, the only way Barnabas knows about this is because Paul told him. But it, it witnessed something on the inside with, with Barnabas. He said, no, this is true. This is right. Uh, the Spirit of God is witnessing this thing. And just know, when people come and they tell you a story, your spirit down on the inside can witness whether it's true or not. You can know. Eh, that's, I don't think that's so uh, true. I think we're missing something. Just listen to your spirit. Because sometimes people will come and they'll tell you their story, and you're thinking on the inside, nah. I don't think we're getting the whole story here. I think there's a little bit more. Yeah, there probably is. But your spirit will let you know about it. Listen. And so he, he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out. And he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenists, but they attempted to kill him. You see this pattern. It's always what goes on in the Word of God. When Satan is in the hearts of people and the Spirit of God rises up, in others, they will eventually get to the point of trying to kill them if they can't silence them, if they can't make them look foolish or discredit them in some way. That's just the way that they go about doing things. That is Satan's way. It is not God's way. It is always the kingdom of Satan's way. That's why we always bring it out to you when we see people in the media and politics who follow this. They are following Satan's pattern. There's a reason why they're following Satan's pattern. When the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. So Caesarea is out there on the coast, got him on a boat, and put him out on the boat to Tarsus. Eventually, Barnabas will go on out there and get him. But he's going to go out to Tarsus for a little while. It's suspected while he was out in Tarsus is when he got the revelation, when he was called up into heaven. And Paul says, I don't know if it was in the body or out of the body, but I was called up. He doesn't say it himself. He talks about it in the third person. But most have agreed he's probably talking about himself and the revelation of the new testament came to him the revelation of the church and he went about teaching the gentiles about this well direction and obedience they're my responsibility ananias it was his responsibility to obey direction came from god but we have to direct our own life we got to keep ourselves in that in that way 
I have to be obedient. God cannot be obedient for me. If I get off course, God will use the same forms of revelation to guide me back. He will use the Word of God to directly tell me stuff. He will use an inward witness. He will use revelation. He will use some of these ways. Moses was off and God sent a number of revelations to him. He wasn't listening and he finally got, came out there with the, with the final one at the burning bush. Pharaoh had the people of Israel. God had sent people to you know, let them let go. He wasn't listening, so the plagues came. Moses first came and said, just let them go. And he said, no. He delivered the message and he didn't want to do it. And so the plagues came. He could have just listened right at the beginning. It's a whole lot better when we just listen to God at the beginning instead of having to go through the tougher time. The way he uses others to confirm, he now uses to rebuke. If we get off, God will send people along to confirm his, his, uh, the word that he's speaking to us. But when we're off, he will send those same people around to rebuke us and say, hey, you're missing it. Hey, you need to get back. You need to go this direction. Why are you going down that way? That's not right. And we need to listen when some of those things come along. What do you do when not everyone is on the same page as you? Now, sometimes you will run into this where you are not on the same page as everyone else and everyone else is wrong. You better have real strong confidence in the, in, in the way that you're being led. We see this with a number of people in the Old Testament. Elijah, how many people were on his side? As far as Elijah knew, no one. He was the only one. He didn't tell God, I'm the only one. No one else is coming along. He had to stand against an entire nation. That can wear on you if you aren't sure. But he was pretty sure. Elisha, most people were against him. He had, he had a group that was uh, for him, but most people were, were against him. Uh, David, when he was after he got the anointing, it seemed that most people liked him, and then all of a sudden, most people didn't like him. And he was running for his life. Just because everyone is against you doesn't mean you're wrong. Just because everyone is for you doesn't mean you're right. You need to listen to the voice of the inward leading. You need to know you are going in the path that God has said to go. If you're not, God will help you get right. But you got to listen. So what do you do when not everyone is on the same page as you? You go back to the Word. Does the Word directly tell me I'm wrong? You listen to that inward witness. Is the Lord trying to lead me in a certain direction? You study the Word. Is God giving me revelation on this, on this thing to go in a different direction? And then some of the stronger revelations may, may come in as well. If you know that the way that you're going, the thing that you're hanging on to, the thing that you're teaching, the thing that you're demonstrating, the thing that you're doing, the direction that you're going is from God, you will face opposition from people, but you'll be okay. You'll be ready for it. But uh, just understand, sometimes we've gone off in a direction and we're missing it. And God is sending people around us to try and pull us back in. Don't be like Saul. God sent people to Saul to try and get him back in and he rejected it. And it made him harder and harder and harder until God finally said, I've rejected you. I have rejected you from being king. And it did not go well for, for Saul and that. And we see a number of other places in, in the Word of God where people who were following God, got off and would not receive the direction. King Asa was one. Uh, when God gave direction, hey, you've missed it, get back, he got mad, began to persecute some of the people, became bitter, and eventually died diseased. We don't want to do that. We, don't want, to, we want to be like David. We may get off, but when God sends someone along our way and says, David, you're the man, 
Yeah, I am. I messed up. What do I need to do? <laughs> and just admit it and get yourself corrected. It's just a whole lot better of a way to go. We're going to lose sight of Saul here for a little while in the coming chapters. He's going to be out there getting revelation, getting stuff uh, fixed up. And the church is still going to continue on, and we'll pick up on the rest of what's happened with that in the weeks to come. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us, that there are areas of revelation that you speak to us to put us on the path, to move us forward, to keep us on that path. The path that you have chosen for us is not always easy. Sometimes we have a path that's like Saul or others where it was many things that we would be suffering for your name's sake. But Father, we know that we are equipped and we are ready. And whatever revelation we have received from you is strong enough to carry us through. We thank you for the help that you give us in that. In Jesus' name, amen.